Beer It Is is a CSPN Media podcast production. Please visit our website at cspn.us for more episodes of Beer It Is and for ways to keep our podcast free for you. All right, everybody, my name is Nubias Woolborn. The name of the marquee is Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. And today we are in Athens Town. Shout out to the ATH here. And I am here in the bowels. As you can hear the reverberation go off the wall at Creature Comforts Brewing. And I'm not just with anybody, man. They, they hooked me up. Shout out to Emily, who's their fine social media slash PR slash media, former tasting room manager, who really just hooked me up. With Chris Heron, CEO of this fine establishment. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's great to be here. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, you coming down and, uh, and and getting a chance to talk with us? Nah, man. I, it's been a long time in the making. Glad we guys to finally make it happen. You guys have been a lot of places recently. I'm trying to get you for, and you're in Denver for GABF, man. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about that experience, man. It's uh, we we do GABF a little bit differently. Uh, we actually don't don't actually do the festival at all so we're not out there we, we, we don't go to the we don't we didn't buy tickets to the festival this year it is an awesome festival it is a great festival yeah not not saying anything like that we just we've always sort of treated it as an opportunity to be a reward trip for employees we have gone into the festival other times um, but this year we uh, we really focused on a whole bunch of events outside in all I mean it's just it's like the World Series or the Super Bowl going right. on you know it's like it's not just the main event it's all the stuff surrounding it and so we uh, we had some awesome events. Big big event that we do out there called the Curiosity Ball. It was the second annual this year. Nice. We're doing it again next year, and uh, it is an event where we invite all the breweries that we've collaborated with over the year uh, and years now uh, to come and pour at it. So uh, just some incredible incredible breweries, people that are our idols and heroes. We you know we've got Jester King pouring beer there this year. We had Alvarado Street. We had Perennial out there. Um, our buddies from Arizona Wilderness, Burial. So, I mean, it's just a, an awesome... By the way, that beer you guys did with Arizona Wilderness, and who's the other brewery on there? It was three in um, Wildcat oh, City. Boulevard. Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. That was a badass beer. Walk me through that beer, man. Yeah, man, that was a, that was a cool opportunity. So, Boulevard, um, incredible, incredible brewery, right? 20 years or so now. Uh, they do really basically one collaboration a year, and so that was a beer that, um, that they really uh, kind of brought to... We were kind enough to get invited. We made a good relationship with them out of Firestone Walker's Beer Invitational. Nice. And, uh, you know, wanted to do a Pilsner, um, but uh, wanted to also do something a, a little bit unique with it. And so, um, you know, we, we were we were excited about the opportunity. Arizona Wilderness guys brought in uh, some fruit as well. And it's just, you know, those guys, are, they're, they're a great time. Yeah. And so you get a, get a bunch of creative minds. I wasn't out there brewing it with them. Uh, Adam, our brewmaster. Shout out to Sort of handling that that and uh, David Stein. We've got, we've got a, oh, our other founder. We've got an incredible team of, uh, of guys that are, that are that are making these beers. They, you know, you get to be a CEO of a brewery by being the worst brewer of the group. <laughs> of brewery. So, you know, I am uh, not as well versed on all of the intricacies of, of what they do every day, but um, but we're, we're really grateful to have an opportunity to, to brew beers with, with breweries like that. And one of the cool things was each brewery brought native elements to that area, right? I think you guys had peaches in it and everybody had like yeah, the peaches was kind of like the Georgia thing. Of course. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and I can't even remember. I think it was it was another citrus, if I'm not wrong. I'd have to go back and look now. We've been fortunate to get to brew a lot of beers this year and a lot of them with some incredible uh, 
incredible breweries. And shout out to that. And then you mentioned you as a brewer, man. <laughs> Walk me through the first time you brewed. You remember what it was on? Where well, were you? I mean, yes, but I, I'm, I'm again, I'm, I am not the brewer here by any stretch of imagination. Matter of fact, they keep me as far away from that stuff as possible. <laughs> but, but I have brewed before, and it was, you know, I think it was like most people. Actually, my first time home brewing was on a system that we got from, I was working for Diageo, which is right. a giant conglomerate. Um, I loved my time there. Uh, no, but they, and they started, they were doing a, uh, they basically wanted a homebrew competition for all the employees and I had never homebrewed and they were like man you know, they basically if you were if you would enter in they would buy like the $58 homebrew set for you or something you nice. know it came with like a you know it basically was like some kitchen utensils you know so uh, <laughs> on the stove, yeah man. you know with the carboy uh and uh and that was it man and uh you know just brewing uh brewing with a bunch of extract and uh just you know trying to figure out stuff I mean I thought you know like flavor and aroma and and bittering hops, I thought they were like like different. It was just my whole mindset on what was going on. I had no idea, but wow. you know that's that's kind of how you learn. You know, my problem with brewing, why well, I was never going to be a great brewer, is it's just it takes too long to find out if it's good or not. Like I just, mm-hmm. I'm I'm too much. Uh, it's not ADD, I guess, but I. I I just want to, you know, I got I to gotta see, I need immediate gratification for things, and that just takes too long. So, you know, thankfully, we've got a couple guys here who, who had the patience to, uh, to learn that process and, and figure it out. And, uh, and so I was able to come in and really focus on what my background was, which was, you know, the business side of things. So where are you from originally, man? Originally from Stone Mountain, Georgia. Oh, wow. So okay. So born, and raised, raised, yeah. born and raised in Stone Mountain. Um, grew my whole life in, in, in Atlanta, uh, just on the east side of Atlanta there, and then went to uh, University of South Carolina in school. Nice. Uh, I was a soccer player, so that's kind of how I ended up there, and then kind of moved all around after that, moved uh, a whole bunch up and, up and down the east coast. Do you remember the first craft beer you had? I do. It was my Magic Hat number nine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think that was a lot of people's first craft beer back then, uh, you know. I was working for Guinness at the time, and so I had, you know, I, I moved from working for Miller Lite to moving working for Guinness, and I thought that was, you know, that was going to be, I, I imagined that to be a rough transition at the time because of what I perceived Guinness to be because it was dark and it had that mm-hmm. thick, creamy head, and I had all the misconceptions that, that most people do about the, you know, the beer itself, and uh, kind of fell in love with Guinness, and through that, you know, got into Smittix, got into Harp, got into Red Stripe, other brands that Diageo was carrying, and then that's why I started changing my attitude and getting me more interested in what, you know, I call better beer. And then I remember being in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, and they had you know that funny looking number nine tap handle on the top, yeah. of that, you know. And I was like, "What is that?" And it was like a craft brew, and I was like, I was blown away by the idea. It had to catch you off guard, right? Yeah. Well, just that that you didn't have to be a major giant person to brew beer, and I mean, obviously the craft movement was going on. It had been, a, you know, this wasn't a brand new thing, but to my world at that time, this is you know again the, the movement was already this was two thousand four, two thousand five when I remember sort of I mean, maybe it had one somewhere else. Yeah. Matter of fact, I know I had one somewhere else. I had a Sweetwater 420 warm out of the back of a van here <laughs> in Athens, Georgia, which is probably my first craft beer ever at it when I was not legal drinking age, unfortunately. I don't encourage that uh, at, at the widespread Panic in the Streets concert that they did. Holy here Athens, man. They had widespread here. And it seemed like everyone you, in Georgia came to that. You probably were the most legal person at that time. I mean, you know, I might have been. I, I was. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not. I hope my parents aren't listening. I don't think I told them I went to that show. I'm sure we said we were somewhere else, but yeah, it was. Uh, but, that, I guess that would have been the first one. Let's just put it this way: when Widespread Panic has a show, they have to fumigate the place for a long time. <laughs> That's what I did outside. Afterwards. You know, just, I mean, that was. I think that was the last time they ever did like a show like that. 
It was, um, I, I, I would call the stories right. I think like the city manager got fired after that. I would that. imagine so. Was like, that was a bad <laughs> idea, uh, but it was, uh, it was a good night. And speaking of good nights, you always have a good night if you listen to Beer It Is on the CSP Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn, and we're here in Athens Town with my man Chris Heron, CEO of Creature Comforts. Woo! This place is really fun, man. So, you started with the Carboys on the stove. Yeah. How the hell did you go from there to here? Well, I mean, I, you know, I think my path is, you know, what's unique about my path is that it, I got here take through, through working on sales and finance, right? And... Uh, and not to sort of bring. So I think the brewing was necessary for me because I do think that if you've never ever brewed a beer uh, or, you know, and you want to get into the craft beer space, that that's a challenge. So I was never any good at it, but I understood how, how <laughs> right. the general basics of how the process worked. Uh, and I knew enough to know that that was not how I was going to be getting into craft beer. But, you know, when you start brewing your own beer, you can't help but love it. Even if it tastes bad, you know, you're like... Right, it's still your baby. And, and, and it creates this incredible appreciation for those who can do it well. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, that was that was a big piece of it, was just learning about craft, starting to get engulfed in that culture. I was always super entrepreneurial. And, uh, and so, I was working in sales for a while. I had that magic hat. Decided I was going to move into finance so I could learn how to start a brewery someday, and I wanted to learn all the business side. And I went and did finance. Was a national pricing manager for Diageo, oversaw wow. their pricing strategies for all their Guinness, Red Star, all their beer brands. Moved into sort of finance roles that supported the sales team, and then ended up as a finance director for their U.S. spirits and wines business, which was a four billion dollar business in the U.S. Um, my job was all their planning, sort of analysis. I got to work directly with uh, senior, senior leadership, made the presentations for the president when he'd be going into his meetings with the guys from London or the North America group. I got to sit in those rooms of all these great minds leading strategy for multi-billion dollar companies and, uh, and be a fly on the wall. I never got to talk, you know. It was like, right. don't speak unless you're spoken to kind of thing. I was like, all right, I'll sit in the corner. Um, but because I had a lot of the background information that went into presentations, they'd invite me in the room. And, and that was an incredible, and that was, for me, that was the education side. So whereas a lot of guys who get into craft, they, their education comes from the brewing side, you know, mm-hmm. and then they kind of figure the business piece out. Yeah. I was kind of different. I, I came into it with a strong business side, and once I got here, have done a lot of figuring the brewing side out. And not because I brew. They still don't. I mean, I've been brewed a beer since we've been here. But, <laughs> but I understand the processes significantly more because of, you know, who I work with. I mean, we've got some of, some of the greatest brewers in the country or the world. And I tell you what, I think that's a good way of going about it. It is, okay, look, you know what? I know what I would like to drink. I know what is good. I may can't make it, but let me find somebody who can. Well, I mean, I think it's focus on your strengths. You know, I think there's so many people who want to get in the craft beer industry, and they think that the way to do that is always through brewing. You know, and I think that that's that's true. It is an absolutely viable way. But there's a lot of you know people. We look for people who are passionate about the industry, and then we try to leverage the different skills that they have and figure out how we can plug them into to what we're trying to do here. And so, you know, I think you know I, I've said it before, and we'll continue to say I think that is something that craft beer in general really needs to sort of you know level up on is the level of the business acumen across the breweries. Um, we're just up against extremely challenging forces with ABs and Millers and Coors and, you know, just the big guys who have a ton of knowledge and a ton of very, very sophisticated strategy. And, uh, and if we don't understand kind of where they're coming from and how to combat it and how to set strategy and how to move the business forward, uh, you know, good beer will only take us so far. I mean, and I think it can take us a long, long way. But there's a lot of it now, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot of it. And uh, it's not just competing against them. You know, the reality is, even though we have this incredible collaborative spirit that is unlike anything I've seen in the craft beer industry, you know, in, in any industry, 
Um, the reality is, from a consumer standpoint, the consumer doesn't look at us as well. They're only drinking one or the other. Right. You know? And so, you know, I think in a, you know, I think we owe it to ourselves as an industry to get our game up so that we can continue to compete. You know, I think good beer will take us. You know, I think we're starting to see good beer take us where it can take us. You know, we're starting to see some leveling out of craft growth and starting to say, okay, you know, what is it that takes us to this next next level, you know, to compete in the market? And I'll tell you what you can find out about the next level. Here on Beard is on the CSB Network. My name is Bias Wilborn. Here at Creature Comforts, we have a lot of interesting things to talk about because he said several things that I'm typing and writing down and taking these notes. And we're going to get back to, when we come back next, we're going to talk about an infamous article. <laughs> this man wrote about some of these things. How that plays forward. And also, he has a very interesting role in the Georgia Guild, which we'll talk about next. We'll be right back. Here it is. CSPN. Hey everyone, this is your man Jeremy from the Crown and Collars Podcast. Just reminding you that you are listening to a CSPN media presentation. And to check out Crown and Collars every Wednesday so we can tell you what your aunt does when you're not around. All right, boys and girls, welcome back to Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. My name is Nobias Wilborn, and we are here in Athens at this wonderful brewery, Creature Comforts. I'm with the man himself, well, one of the men behind the men who brew this, the men and women, excuse me, yeah. who brew and make and market this fine beer at Creature Comforts. I'm with Chris Heron. Chris, back. So, let's get into that article, man. Let's go right into it. All right. All right. I mean, like, you, you went balls to the wall on that thing, man. Well, I, I appreciate it. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think it just felt like, I guess it felt like we had something to say. I mean, that started out as an internal thing. It will be, I've, I've never written anything before. I don't know if I'll overwrite anything again. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was a little bit of a distraction for a while. But it for me, that was, um, you know, I, I come from a, just we're talking about, I come from a different background into this right. space. And so I see things, I think, a little different than, than maybe where the industry as a whole sees things. And so... Um, that was, you know, that was a, intended as an email to our staff about, hey, you know, the Wicked Weed transaction had happened. Right. Maybe about them. That, you know, I think for us that hit closer to home than many, than, than possibly any of the other ones had. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just someone that we had brewed beers with. Uh, we had had beers with. Right. We had been to visit Friends. each other's place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was a, it was different in our minds than all the others. And, uh, and I think we all kind of went through this feeling of like, well, why does it matter? You know, like, do I care? I'm happy for them, you know, I guess. You know, yeah. like, why would I not be happy for somebody, you know, that, that's not cool. Uh, and so, right. and, and I've always said to people, you know, I, there's a bit of a misconception that that article, I think, is, you know, sort of that people, against those who have sold out. And that's not the intention at all. I mean, for those who did it, good for them. I, I have Get no, your money. I, yeah. I, yeah, and I have no idea what their reasons are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know. Everyone who's sitting there complaining, like, 
we find out that somebody's mom has cancer and he needed money, you know, like everyone's like, oh, my bad. You know, right, all, right, right. all right, cool. Who knows? It doesn't matter the reason. At the yeah. end of the day, that's a decision they made for their families and what they felt was right. What I was frustrated with at the time was I think, one, some of the rhetoric that comes out after them um, that is very consistent and seems very planned mm-hmm. around it being sort of the best thing for our employees, the best thing for our brand, uh, and that sort of AB cares about craft, and that I, that I disagree with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, my feeling was there are, you know, and what I wanted to say to people is, look, I'm, we're not upset at the individuals who are selling or the businesses or that, but there are real true challenges that it presents as a result of these sales. And so why should we care? Why does it hurt? Why are we frustrated that somebody sold? It's because, you know, they are turning from sort of collaborators to competitors, yeah. and there's a real challenge in that. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah, I mean, and there is, you know, we're up against a very, very difficult you know, foe, if you will, in the in the macros, they have incredible power and strategy, and you know, they're. I don't believe that they're buying craft breweries because they just love craft beer. Right. You know, right. because they're just like, man, I just really want to help you chase your dreams. I, you know, I, I've been in those environments. I'm sure there are some people who who do genuinely want that for those, um, but I think at a whole, those, you know. We're talking about corporate America. Those guys might be gone in four years. There'll be a whole new team of people in there, and the, you know, all that stuff goes right. out the window. So, uh, yeah. So I wanted to write an article for our staff that kind of expressed, "Hey, here's why I care, and here's why it matters to us as a brewery as creature comforts." And um, one of our staff members, uh, Blake Tires, also uh, does some writing and photography for Good Beer Hunting, uh, and so he kind of was like, "Hey, man, I think Kaiser would be interested in this." Got in touch with him, and uh, I had written it originally as a little bit more of like, hey, you know, maybe it's a conspiracy theory, but here's what I think going on. And he sort of read it and said, man, that doesn't sound like such a conspiracy theory. I think we should, we should probably just kind of say we think this is what's going on. Right. So um, we did, and, uh, and it, you know, was an oh, – I certainly never expected – I think he's had like 100,000 reads on that thing. It's his yeah. read article ever. It, it was one of those things that was sent to me by people. So I got to ask you a tough question about that, though. Yeah. Let's say one day – they come to you with the bag. Yep. Maybe they've maybe they've even offered. Because yep. I mean you guys are a good brewery. You guys are one of the better breweries. People know you. I mean, shit, people were chasing trop all over yep. for a long time. They come to you with the bag. Let's say you take the bag. Well, You're gonna bring that article back up, right? If if I were to take the bag, uh, <laughs> I would I wouldn't By the way, the bag means money, guys. Just oh, yeah. so, you know, for the people uh, who it, 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 Well, first of all, it wouldn't be my choice. But uh, I mean <laughs> I'd, I'd leave that there. Uh, one, we're also, you know, it, it wouldn't be a whole Chris Heron decision, but um, we, we don't decide things that way here. Um, but if, if that were to be the case, you know, I certainly wouldn't stand up and say that I think this is probably the best thing for the employees of our company. Or, but, you know, so I think if you're going to do it, at least own up and say, this is great for me and my family. And, you know, you're cashing up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, uh, but I think more importantly for us is that, you know, certainly an, an AV InBev, you know, I, I would be the Dick Cantrell. I'd be the one saying I'm not, I'm not staying involved. I'm not happy about this, and my vote is no. Um, that's just – I've worked in that environment. Uh, I have the utmost respect for the people there. Mm-hmm. Lit- I mean, genuinely have in more respect than I would almost bet anybody in this industry does because I understand what they go through. You know the game. Things. Yeah. And how brilliant they are, but I don't have any interest in going back to that. You know, I've been in that environment, and I don't want to go back to it. I left it to come do this. Uh, I believe wholeheartedly that we can create a better environment for our employees outside of a publicly traded company than we can within one, uh, without quarterly earnings reports. And I just, uh, and I think the long-term health of the Creature Comforts brand is better in the hands of an independent brewery, uh, or at least a brewery that is partnered with other like family business style breweries. So you know, than it is in a large conglomerate that has major domestic brands. And that's one of the, the big defining differences uh, in this whole thing for me is. 
is about how it's a piece of a puzzle. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a piece of a puzzle at an AB or Miller Coors, you will always be a tiny, tiny piece. You are a small lever that they're using to, to manage their business in some certain way. That's different than maybe being a, a larger piece of a smaller family brew, let's say, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll pull a Duval out or something, right? right? When those guys come in, they don't have an American brand that they need to have a need to protect. So they can look at a Firestone, a Boulevard, these guys, and that is their brand in the U.S. And mm -hmm. so I think, you know, there is a clear difference to me. No, it's a different game, yeah. Who you're selling to mm -hmm. and how you're going to be used within that strategy. And so my thing was always more, you know, that I don't think, you know, like I don't see Duval coming in and buying saying we're trying to kill Kraft because we need to grow Duval. No, they're hoping to build Firestone and build Boulevard and, and, and you know, Oma Gang. Like, but I believe that when AB is buying Kraft, it is because, one, their American business is hurting because Bud and Bud Light are declining, which means these become a lever to drive that U.S. business up. I talk about impairment charges. Will they ever take them? Probably not. They're good enough, uh, and they have enough you know, knowledge to be able to continue yeah. to push that. But there are things like buying craft breweries in America, and if their business unit is valued on their balance sheet as a U.S. business, even though Bud Light's declining, the increase in one of these other brands can help keep that U.S. business from taking an And it's interesting. A lot of things you've said have come true. Like, I've seen the prices... Drop. Yeah, seen prices go down. We saw Constellation take a, a an increase on a, a write off on Ballast Point. We also saw AB cut the whole hop price. You know, the, all the South African hops out from the breweries. Right. So I mean, you know, yeah, it, it, it's kind of been neat to see some of that happen. I hate for it right. to happen, but you know, it was like one of the things we talked about in that article was how they could manipulate raw materials and how when they buy that, their buying power comes into this. And it wasn't six months later that all of a sudden, and I, I'm sure they did have a poor crop yield, yeah. but nonetheless, because they had craft breweries within their own portfolio now, that's where got all those South African hops went. And you got guys like Cellarmaker or Modern Times who are building brands on South African hops who no longer can get access because AB owns them all and has said, we're just not going to sell them to you. We're only going to sell them to our craft breweries. And, you know, that's it, a dirty game, man. That's, that's, that's the reality of them buying craft breweries, you know, is that that's going to hurt potential other craft breweries out there. And where you can always find this information, check it out on Beard is on the CSP Network. My name is Vice Wilborn here at Creature Conference, talking to Chris Heron. So, real quick, man, tell us like where Creature is going as far as development. You guys got some real big plans in store. We do. We've got huge plans in store. I mean, this has been a it's been a crazy journey, right? So we're three and a half years old. We opened up eighteen hundred barrels in year one, and we felt like we were killing it. Um, it was a tough, you know, that wasn't an eight, easy 1,800 uh, barrels to get. You know, that was a backpack every day at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and brown bottles walking up and down the streets of Athens begging people to, to, to buy our beer. And so, uh, and that was not that long ago. Wow. Um, so you, were, you weren't really self-distributing, but... No, of, no, 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 just just getting out trying to get people to taste the beer. Oh, just, just taste it. Just hey, taste, taste it. it. Didn't get what you distributed. Then they distribute. Yeah, everything goes through a distributor. We're a three-tier state. We've got a great distributor in Savannah Distributing. Um, and uh, and so everything goes through that. Uh, but getting out and just trying to get people introduced to the brand so that they'd order it from our distributor. Uh, and so, you know, we went from that. We did about 10000 the next year, 20000 We're going to finish this year somewhere around... Somewhere around 26 to 28, and that has been. We've been capped out since November. We knew what we would do this year before the year ever started because wow. we've just we we brew 24 hours a day, five days a week. It's as much as we can fit in the tanks, so we know what we're going to do. But we have a new brewery. Uh, we've got about an 11 million dollar brewery that is being built about a mile and a half away that we couldn't be more excited about. And no tasting room there, or not to not on day one. Not so day we're just one. trying to we're trying to get it up and get it built. The tasting room, you know, the way we would want to do it would be fairly expensive. We just finish it, just make it nice, and all of that money has gone into equipment uh, and the lab and just making sure we. This is going to be one of the most state of the art breweries, uh, you know, certainly for a brewery our size. 
uh, in the country. It is. What size system are you gonna be growing on? It's a 85 barrel four vessel system. We've got that's a Steinecker out of uh, coming out of Germany. We've got 340 barrel tanks uh, made by Feldmeyer, and uh, and then we've got a, a, a much more you know we've got a, about a quarter million dollars going into the lab wow. uh, equipment as well. We've got a 24 head Crohn's craft made filler. So. Everything is scaled up. Water treatment too. Yeah, we've got uh, we we do have water treatment. We actually have a reverse osmosis, so we'll be stripping all water down to Ooh. pure H2O and then rebuilding it back up. So one of the challenges we face here is that uh, we have three different watts. The sources, uh, the water comes from three different sources. Right. We don't get notified when it changes, uh, and so you can have pretty significant fluctuations between the water. Mm -hmm. And so when you're trying to make the same beer over and over, and 98 percent of it's water, uh, that can be a challenge. So this will really allow us to just even dial that consistency and even more to be able to start with the exact same water every single time oh, that's a big major key and so listen guys we're here with Chris Heron at Creature Comforts here it is my name is Bryce Wilborn so we're going to come back we're going to taste a couple of these fine beers talk about some of the beers they brewed and also we're going to get into what's coming up next and have a little bit of fun here my man Chris Heron here it is we'll be back our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit our website at cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Amazon link, and then you can shop for all kinds of great stuff with Amazon's awesome two-day shipping. You can even sign up for Amazon Prime and get free two-day shipping and access to even more great deals. So, whether it's for music, movies, jewelry, school supplies, Halloween costumes, you name it, Amazon's got it, and you can get it shipped right to your door in a matter of days or even one day. But all you got to do to keep our podcast free is visit our site again. That is cspn.us. cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link. A portion of your sales will go towards helping to keep our podcast free. And you will get great service from Amazon. It is a win-win for everybody. So once more, cspn.us, keep our podcast free, and then shop at Amazon. Do it today. Alright boys and girls, once again my name is Bias Wilborn, we're here at Creature Comforts for Beer It Is, talking to the CEO Chris Heron, and well guys, we're down to my favorite segment of the show, Yes. and you know what time that is, that means we actually get to try some of the beer, we talked about legislation, we'll get into a little bit more of that, we'll talk about SB85 yep. and Chris's role in patching some of that, but right now, we're going to taste some beer, so this weekend, he's got a new black lager come out, called This Silent World. Ooh, I can't wait to sip. I'm going to sip, and Chris is going to talk about it. All right, yeah, so the style of the world, um, there's a couple cool, really cool things about this beer. It's sort of inspired by a beer called Death and Taxes from Moonlight Brewing out in Sonoma County. So one nice. of these things is that with all of the devastation going out in Sonoma right now with the fires, uh, we're donating a dollar from every pint of this that we sell, uh, sort of in Moonlight Brewing's name, to a, uh, a fund out there. 
Um, we're also uh, working with uh, Russian River um, through the Sonoma Pride project that they've got going on. We're going to be brewing a beer and donating all 100% of the profits out there to support that. There's, wow. Uh, it's impacting some of our, our brewery friends, you know, and so we're, we're trying to do what we can even on this other side. So I'd love to get that message out there because we'd love to get other people, um, you know, helping out and uh, paying attention to what's going on. So real quick, so guys, listen, when you get Silent World, know that a dollar of every pint goes go. to right. supporting those wildfires and those people out there who are losing life and losing their homes. Absolutely. So this so. is a big thing. And this is what craft beer does, guys. It is, and uh, and it's just it's a cool thing. So this is you know you, the goal here, right, is to, to kind of provide you with a lot of those stout like flavors, that roastiness, caramel, uh, dark chocolate, but do so in a in a light and refreshing sort of pathway, right? So this is a, a black lager. Um, it's got some German hops in it. Um, but Herbsbrecker, Herbsbrecker, and Huel Melon. Um, you're not going to get a ton of that. I mean, you get some of that herbal, earthy notes coming from those. Uh, but this is really, obviously, a malt-forward beer. You know, this is all about the roastiness that you get. Um, but it's just, you know, we love sort of playing with the mind a little bit, too, though. That, that dark beer that is super crisp and refreshing and light. And uh, I think this is 5.5%. Sessionable. So, yeah, fairly sessionable. Uh, it's named after um, a Jacques Cousteau uh, movie, uh, Le Monde de Silence, which is uh, the which means the silent world. It was the first, it was 1956. It's the first uh, underwater, uh, first time underwater cinematography was ever used wow. to show um, like fish and stuff in color. Impressive. And so um, we kind of think that this video is kind of neat because, you know, sort of like that was the first time we got to see underneath. And one thing that we love about this is sort of the idea of it being a dark beer, um, but it being different. And it's a chance to sort of see everything in a different way, you know, see this roasty character outside of the traditional stout like beer. Um, and so that was a, a really cool thing. We, we always were super inspired by curiosity. And obviously, Jacques Cousteau, like, super curious mind. And so that's where, you know, most of our naming comes from. Some has some sort of tie into some sort of curious minded person or figure, or, you know. Well, yeah, we have to get into that curious series a little bit, too, right? No, it's some yeah. fun beers. Yeah. So, man, shout out to you and salute, man. This beer right here, first of all, guys, the look on it, it is what it says it is. It, it's dark, it's roasty, it's malty. You can literally see it. But when you swirl it around... Take that nose, you get all those malts, you get all that caramel, all those flavors. And then on the lip, it just feels good. Good mouthfeel, solid beer, man. So good on you for guys doing this. It's, by the way, we're recording this on a Friday. This show normally airs on Monday. So by the time this airs, the beer will already be out in Athens. <laughs> yeah. Will this make stores or will this just be? Uh, the, draft, the, the draft will be out. Yeah, the draft will hit the market. This is part of what we call We call it our 30-barrel series. Um, last October, we decided we, we had one 30-barrel fermenter, and we decided we were never going to make uh, our core beers in it anymore. We were just... We wanted more. We wanted to make more beer, and so we started using that and just allowing it to be a, an innovation center for us. Nice. And that's where a lot of awesome beers have come out of. So it's a pretty small batch. So we usually have like eighty to one hundred cases. Uh, at most that we would have and after our staff gets their allocations there's not that much left <laughs> uh, just kidding there's still some left but uh, and then you know that'll move through the tasting room only um, part of the SB85 right. ability for us to, to really do that and at the end of the day you know we're talking about you know I, I truly believe our distributor if we tried to send them 80 cases to distribute to everyone they'd probably send it back to us right away it's not enough they're like well they just be like, I don't want to deal with the headache you know I got they got a thousand accounts out there and how do, how do you possibly break right. it up so I mean you know for us this is a chance to see if something's good if it is we'll make a bigger batch once we do that then we'll get it to them so it's a, it's a, it's a way to not just put all that you know on them like we used to we used to just buy here's a new beer now you gotta go sell it now we can say look we, we tested it we tried it it's working consumers like it and move it on so Crescendo for example that's another beer that came out of the 30 barrel batch for us that we think has a, a lot of a lot of hope 
and a lot of a lot of potential for the for the future. Same with Duende. I mean, this has been a it's been a really successful program. And that's just a fascinating thing. And by the way, guys, so if you're in Atlanta, I'm assuming you know probably the brick stores of the world, the Porter, those kind of places. Yeah, I, mean, get I, some I, of I, don't, I don't have the exact list on me, but I think you know your your better beer bars are definitely yeah. good places to start with. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd call ahead and ask just to, to be sure, but it should be. I don't know if it's hitting the streets today, if it'll be Monday before the distributor kind of gets it out. I'm, I'm not even 100 percent sure on that, but we definitely can, have it here this weekend. I tell you what, guys, look for it. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's it it's a really cool lager. If you can come up here, get some cans, get some cans, or good for as it starts to get a little cooler outside. Absolutely, now. it's great, great fall beer. Exactly, it works for the tailgates as you go watch the dogs, whoever you're a fan of. So bring some of that beer. Now we're gonna get into this IPA, man, and this is one of those special releases. It's crescendo. Yep. And people really hype on this beer. Yeah, well, we're yeah, this was a this was a really really cool beer for us. So really, fo- the focus of this beer was on a hop called Grüngeist. 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 Yeah, Grüngeist. It's a German hop, um, really flavorful and expressive. The Germans are you know they traditionally hadn't really gotten into that sort of flavor aroma hop as mm-hmm. much as the North Americans had. You know they focused a little bit more on those sort of classic noble hops. And uh, and this is definitely an exploration into that more flavor um, fruit forward. So. Um, yeah, it's a very highly hop. I think this is five pounds per barrel of hops in this beer, uh, 7.2%. It's also got Eldorado and Galaxy in it, uh, which are great. So that Eldorado kind of has this really cool uh, melon, uh, almost watermelon kind of character. Um, Galaxy just being one of our favorite hops uh, in general. It's just very tropical, you know, sort of sort of IPA. And uh, we we love this. I mean, I think this is, you know, it's a it's a... It's a, there's no caramel malt in this, so it's a little bit, you know, it's definitely more of that less malt forge, you know, lighter malt base uh, kind of style of IPA. And uh, yeah, we're we're really excited with it again this year, and uh, we will we will definitely see this again. This, this is definitely this one of those. This is one of those thirty barrel, one to a sixty. You know, when the new brewery's up and running, these are the kinds of beers that you know we think are proving themselves in the tasting room enough. For it to warrant us asking retailers to take a chance on it too. Nice. You know? And look, and I can say taste your beers all day, but let's get into a little bit of SB eighty five. Sure. How that's kind of worked for you guys, and how it's been helpful for the tasting room now. Well, it's been yeah, it's been super helpful for the tasting room, and uh, you know, SB eighty five was monumental for Georgia. I mean, we're the last state in the in the country to allow breweries to sell direct uh, direct to consumers. Um, what it's done beyond anything is it has created a much better experience for consumers and. What, what I mean by that is now when you come to a brewery as a consumer, you have options. You get to choose your path through the brewery. If you want to come and do a, a flight of beers, that is totally an option. Right. If you want to come and have one beer because you're just sneaking in and, you know, it's like, oh, the draft, this beer released today, it might be the only day on, you know, and you only have 20 minutes, you can come in and, and do that. In the old days, no one would do that because you had to stay, you know, you were paying 14 bucks or whatever the, whatever the price of the tour was. Uh, and so that that consumer experience and opportunity was gone, and, and then you know, the other side of it is you can sit around and, and have multiple beers and try a whole bunch of different stuff now. And and, uh, and we're getting ready to launch our bottle menu in November, which is going to be a whole nother game change. And that's something nice. that couldn't. Tell me about that. Tell me about the bottle menu. Uh, we'll have we'll probably have about ten of our bottles available. I mean, we'll see uh, Soda Alchemy, which is an awesome uh, new brand. It's our blended bottles. Um, we'll have one number one, two, and three. We've got some of our old existence. I think we still have some Sea of Stars left. We've got a Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Stop, 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 stop. Sea of Stars. Yeah, I believe there's going to be a couple of Sea of the Star bottles. Oh, we'll really? There'll be on-site only consumption for some of those. But we'll have, a, we'll have a list of probably 10 to 12. 
some of them will be available to go depending on how many we have. But I mean, we've been storing bottles for a long time waiting for this day to come. So uh, we're super excited to be able to, to, to offer that experience. Somebody coming from out of town who, you know, like is coming to the brewery. Right. And that stuff, you could never pour it on the tour system. Because it, I mean, it would cost me. It would cost you too much. Yeah, stuff, it wouldn't it, benefit you. It'd just be silly. I mean, it's a bad business decision. Right. And so that is, in and of itself. I mean, fundamentally, the biggest difference. Also, I mean, people don't realize how it impacted our ability to innovate. You know, when you have to worry. You know, when you have when you're innovating before. You know, we were more on small batch stuff. Now, the knowledge that we can like innovate, get feedback from consumers, actually be you know, and actually be able to generate money off of it. You know, mm -hmm. because before. You didn't make any more money because you created innovation. You know, you, you put the innovation on and they just chose that over something else. Right. Um, now you actually have the opportunity to, like, on some of that innovation to, to sell it to a consumer. Mm -hmm. Some of that stuff now, like, if it is a more expensive one, well, that's okay. We can charge a little bit more for it. If right. it's less expensive, great. We can charge less for it. In the old day, you know, everything needed to fit into this little window, you yeah. know, and you had to be worried, like, what if the consumer only picks this one? Well, let's know? be real. You're in a college town and... Kids are like, okay, I, I paid them fourteen dollars, so What's that? give me all the ABV. searching ABV, and then you know, <laughs> yeah, they're not actually appreciating and really enjoying. Yeah, and I, yeah. and I think that's that's not the experience that we want here. You know, we're, we 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 you can absolutely still come to our brewery and spend fourteen dollars and have thirty six ounces of beer. That is a viable path for a consumer to choose. You can also come and spend fourteen. You can actually spend less than fourteen dollars and have that much beer. You can come and spend. Mm -hmm. You know, fourteen dollars and have more variety of beer than you would have before. You right. can come and spend twenty dollars. You can come and spend thirty dollars if that's what you want to do, and have beers that were never even offered before. And so it's a it's a new world, you know. And it, it is it is a truly better. There's a reason that I've not ever been to a brewery, not never nowhere or a restaurant or a bar in America who on their own came up with the tour system and decided that's the best possible way for us <laughs> to do this. You know, right. it, it's not the best for consumers. It is for once it. Some people believed it was if they felt like they got a value out of it, right? Yeah. But I think talking to other breweries and seeing the pricing that I've seen, if people are just after the value, that is still an option. You yeah. can still come and be a value you get a flight. maker, yeah. you know? Or you can come and drink Classic City Lager that we just released. You can come and that's four seventy-five a pint. You get two of those and you're under $10. That's 32 ounces. You can then get a five-ounce sample. You're at 37 ounces and you spend like $11, you know? It's it's possible. Sometimes you've done the math on this a couple times. Yeah, we think and about this stuff. And so real quick, before we get out of this segment, first thing I had was Classic Lager. Yeah. Walk me through that beer a little bit. Classic City Lager is a very exciting beer for us. We, we've been piloting this beer a lot and putting it on under a lot of different names, just sort of our Brew Lab, Hellas, Brew Lab Lager. It is a Hellas style lager, um, but we, uh, we're, we believe, you know, I, I firmly believe that our craft consumers, not so much just the ones trying to get into craft, but the ones trying to, that are on the tail end. You know, mm -hmm. I think people jump into craft. They're so excited, they jump into IPAs and stuff. Mm -hmm. But eventually, there is a bit of fatigue that comes with some of that. And, yeah. and we all sort of just want that beer to just sort of sit around and not have to think too much about it, you know, mm -hmm. but it's appreciated. And, and lagers are an extremely difficult style of beer to make. They take longer. They tell the truth, There's man. nothing to hide behind. You know, it is like, it is getting the chicken at the restaurant or the spaghetti at the Italian restaurant. Right. Like, you know, either you're doing it good or you're not. And so, uh, it takes, you know, for us to get to that point, we, Bebo's obviously a Pilsner. We brew a lot of, we, we feel like we're good lager brewers. And this is something that we're just super excited about. And what's been most interesting is to see how excited consumers have been because this is, our number two selling behind Tropicali. It is wow. the best, second best selling beer in our tasting room this month since it launched by a good margin. And I tell you what, it's, it's a, I call it beer flavored beer. Yeah, it's I mean, beer. and I don't mean that as an insulting thing. I mean, we call it good cold beer. You yeah. know, it's like it is good cold beer. Yeah. Like it is 
You know, it's you can drink it on a hot day. You can drink it on a cold day. Yeah. It's what a lager it's, is. It's a beautiful beer. I mean, it's it's got it's got awesome little herbal notes. We get little cracked pepper. I mean, it's a well thought out beer, but it is and it looks pretty too. And it looks pretty, and it's four point two percent. Right. You know, so you can have one of these, and you're yeah. not gonna have to worry too much about catching a buzz or you know getting too mm-hmm. drunk. So. That's you know that's appealing. So like me, I got three kids. You know, I, I just want to have a beer sometimes, right. and not have to worry about the impact. I tell you what, man, that is that would be one of my beers. Act like a beer fest. Like we were at Shelton Brothers, you go, yeah. which you guys like, really we well. Yeah. That, that festival, and we were amazed how awesome the reaction was, particularly from the brewers. They're yes. like, "Hey, can I come drink that Bevo? Because that is what I want right now." I, I, I look. I've had all the big boy stouts I can do. I can buy all the sours. Give me a Bevo. All right, guys, we have one more thing. I won't keep them too much long after this. We do our six pack of questions. Gonna be different fun. Things we're gonna do with Chris Heron, guys. Stick and stay. Beer it is. Be right back. For you, the listeners of the Beer It Is podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. With your membership, you can choose from such awesome titles as the autobiography of Gucci Mane by Gucci Mane, Slobberknocker: My Life in Pro Wrestling by Jim Ross. The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl by Issa Rae, and What Happened by Hillary Rodham Clinton. To download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com forward slash beer it is. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash beer it is for your free audiobook. All right, boys and girls, we are back here on Beer It Is. My name is Tobias Woolborn. We are here at Creature Conference in Athens, Georgia, with my man, Chris Heron, the CEO of this fine establishment. Hello, hello. So we're going to do our six-pack of questions. These are just six. I'm, I'm nervous now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fun. It'll be fun. All right. So let's get right into question one. Who is the coolest person you've met in craft beer? Who is the coolest person that I've met in craft beer? I'm going to go with Mr. St- 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 Stephen Powell's. The brewmaster over at Boulevard, one of my uh, one of my absolute favorite people, one of my best nights I've had in this industry was hanging out with him in Kansas City. Uh, I'm a big big fan of his. He's just an awesome guy. Uh, but that is a that is a loaded question because we have an industry filled with uh, <laughs> with some awesome personalities and awesome people. All right, then that brings me to number two. Who is the person who made you the most nervous meeting in craft beer? Uh, that would be David Walker from, uh, right. from Firestone Walker. So I, I got, it's not a secret around here. That's like my hero brewery. That's uh, if we could if we could be anybody in my mind, you know that that would be a, an ideal place to land. And so uh, we went out when we got first invited to the Firestone Walker Invitational Beer Festival. I sent him a note to see if he'd be able to grab lunch, and he actually was able to. And so I was I was trying to think of everything to say to. You know, not not geek out too much. You know, I'm the business guy, right? So I, I, you know, I mean, I love meeting Matt Brindelson too. That, you know, Adam would probably be like, that was his guy. But for me, meeting David Walker was really awesome. If you could have a brew with four people, any four people, dead or alive, who would it be? If I could have a brew, yes. Oh man, I mean, I'd definitely love to. I'd love to see if Jesus would have a beer instead of wine. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'd love to give that one a shot. Um, you know, otherwise, uh, so I got two more people, man. Um, 
I, you know, I, I would love my, my, my dad's father. I would have loved to have a, have a beer with him. I was uh, too young to, to do so before he passed away, but he just seemed like a good old man's man. And um, I just think that would have been a, a pretty cool opportunity. And then, uh, man, I don't know, pick, I just, whichever one of my staff members was around that day, whichever, whoever was there, <laughs> I, I love having beers with all these people. So whoever was nice. the closest one. So it was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, my grandfather, and uh, whichever the closest staff member was. That's, that's it. Nice. What would you drink? What would I, as far as uh, beer, man, I would I would definitely drink something that our guys here had made. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I think these guys make the best the best beer there is. So uh, I'd probably be drinking whatever was the newest thing. So today I'd be drinking Silent World with them. Um, but if I had to just kind of go across it, I, it would be Tropicalia. You know that beer is in many ways what has gotten us here. Uh, and I you know Tropicalia is all about the moment. It's all about you know enjoying incredible moments. And so that sounds like an incredible moment. And so that would be a great trap moment. There you go. When did you realize you had something? Man, I, I think it was when Cans hit in Atlanta. And that was, uh, so that was March or April of uh, 2015, about a year after we were open, we launched Cans in Atlanta. And that was, uh, that was definitely the turning point for us. And Cans in Athens did good, uh, but when they hit Atlanta and that market started going crazy and then we started seeing it get traded and then untapped reviews and stuff, all of a sudden it was, oh man, like, you know, we couldn't, it went from zero to a hundred and it's been at that pace ever since then. What is the meanest thing somebody said to you on Untapped or Rate Beer, one of those sites? Oh man, you know, I, I, I try not to read them too much. Um, I don't know, you know, anybody who just, you know, I think we, we get, we get comments like everyone else does, you know, I, I don't know that there's any specific comment that's, that's been like, oh, man, that, I can't believe they said that. But, you know, anytime that people uh, just make assumptions, it drives me crazy. You know, they, they don't they, they have a bad experience, but don't take the opportunity to talk to somebody and give us an opportunity to make it better. You know, that's that's our goal and aspiration is to make this an incredible experience for everybody. And so I'm always just bummed when it's like, man, I had this bad. And, you know, it's like, did you talk to anybody? No, nope, I just left. You know, it's like, man, <laughs> all right, that, that sucks. But, yeah. All right, guys, that's what our six pack. Thank Chris Heron for doing this. Um, real quick, anything people need to know about what's coming next for the fall, for the winter, so on and so forth. Yeah, well, we got Table Beer releasing right now. That's super exciting. That's a really, really cool beer. Uh, we work with a lot of different chefs on collaborating on, on creating that. It's really just meant to be a great beer that goes well with, like, you know, just hang out with food and chilling with your friends. Cocoa Bunny, always coming up at the end of the year. And we've got an awesome beer launching next week called... Uh, Run the Jewel. Well, it's called Stay Gold. It's a collaboration with... Oh, Run we didn't even Jewel. get into that. Yeah. I've been meaning to get... Because Killer's a good friend of mine. Oh, yeah. So. And I've been meaning to... I, that was one thing like, we didn't yeah. get into. Yeah, so that's a, yeah. that's a pretty awesome collaboration. I had it yesterday. It is by far my... And I'm not even joking. It is my favorite hoppy beer that we have made. Okay, I, I got to gotta try something before I leave here. Yeah, I think so. people will get uh, will get pretty excited about that. It's even even a little hazy, which I know some people like. So <laughs> We've heard the hazy, we've right? We've heard the haze talk. So it is... Uh, it is just... That the strata hop in there is incredible, and um, we're super. I mean, that's just so. Did you get to work with Killer and LP? Uh, not, not directly yet. Um, we've, we've worked with their teams, and a lot of stuff has been back and forth through their team, you know. Nice. So, I mean, I know 
they're seeing stuff on the other end, and but we haven't haven't had the chance to torn. So you right. know, it's, a, it's not like we all just get to sit down in a room. But uh, you know, I was an aspiring hip hop artist in college. Most people don't know that, uh, <laughs> and so this is really pretty cool for me. I was actually at a, an album release party at Tree Sound Studios in Atlanta. For shout out to Molly. Yeah, shout out to Molly. Uh, yeah. When I was with Diageo and Killer Mike was doing an album release there, so I got to be there for that. So I'm excited to get a chance to to say hi and uh, and catch up. Uh, we think it's going to be something that they're super proud of. We've worked mainly with Jesse from Interboro, who's really been, you know, sort of leading this from the, the beer side of things, and then Amici, um, who's manager, uh, and, you know, our team has just gone to work. We've had 30 days, 40 days maybe to pull this together, and it is going to be an awesome event at Soundtable on the 26th if people are available. Get nice. There. I will be there, so I'm really looking forward to it. The guys will be there. The crew yeah. will be there. So, in fact, we may do a little something on this show for that. We may talk to... Yeah. Malayli Emily over here, see what we can get done. But either way, check that thing out. It's going to be really cool. This brews is doing some badass stuff. So support them. Georgia grown, Georgia made. And more importantly, they want to stay Georgia made and Georgia made. Yes, absolutely. We appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. This has been Beard Is, and we're out. Thanks.